As we were planning for this Lenten series on interruptions, we brainstormed biblical characters and assigned them for each Sunday in Lent. I was not disappointed to get Moses. Thank you for that great song. Steve started with Jonah for four chapters, and then he went to Ruth for four chapters. And as I began my study of Moses, I soon needed a paper bag in which to breathe, which is never a good sign. My goodness, in Exodus alone, there are 40 chapters documenting the life of Moses. How does one choose? The life of Moses was interrupted in the very beginning when he was put in a basket and sent down the river to escape being murdered by Pharaoh's terrifying edict to kill all Hebrew male children. Growing up in the palace as an adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, his life was interrupted again when he accidentally killed an Egyptian who was mistreating a Hebrew slave. Of course, his life was interrupted by God with the fiery bush, The plagues that Moses proclaimed and God delivered are a gargantuan interruption. After the deliverance, Moses' daily life is interrupted by a whining mass of humanity who complain about food they don't have to labor for and water that they don't have to fetch. Moses' life is interrupted every time that God calls a powwow up on the mountain. And then God revealed the passage to me for just for this day. On one of those mountain visits, Moses departed, leaving his brother Aaron in charge at the base camp. Clearly, Moses had no idea how much God had to say because he was gone for 40 days and for 40 nights. And there it is, 40 days. Just like our journey through Lent, when we are allowing ourselves to be interrupted by God for 40 days. So we pick up this epic saga at the end of the divine appointment, which concludes with these words. When God finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. So now let's turn to Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, Come, make make gods for us, who shall shall go go before us. us. As As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take up the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it in a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival of the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have acted perversely. 
They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone, so that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in wrath? Change your mind and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. As soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets from his hands and he broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made, burned it with fire, ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O God, that the word just read and the words to come might point to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. Amen. So I want to show you a quick video that went viral a couple of years ago. If you've seen it, it's totally worth seeing again. A BBC News interview is being filmed in Professor Robert Kelly's home office. Professor Kelly is a husband and a dad. He shut his door for this important televised meeting, but he didn't lock it. Watch his door on the upper right-hand side of the screen to see the parade of interruptions, starting with his dancing daughter and ending with his wife sliding in to try to correct the problem. Scandals happen all the time. The question is, how do democracies respond to those scandals? Uh, And what will it mean for... uh... For the wider region, I think one of your children has just walked in. I mean, shift, shifting, shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the North may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. The, um, pardon me. Pardon me. My apologies. What was this going to be for the region? My apologies. North, uh, Sorry. Um, North Korea, North, uh, South Korea's policy choices on North Korea have been severely limited in the last six months. Caveman. Oh my gosh. So interruptions are never that funny. In fact, the word interrupt is defined as breaking in. Who likes to be broken? Who likes to be disrupted? especially just as the party is really getting going, like it was for the Israelites. So let's back up just for a minute. Aaron is left in charge, and it seems unbelievable to me that he is so spineless when the Israelites say, hey, Aaron, make gods for us who will lead us. That Moses, the man who got us out of Egypt, who knows what happened to him. 
Remember, Aaron was Moses' wingman. He was with him every step of the way as they were negotiating with Pharaoh to free the Israelites from oppressive slavery. Aaron had a front row seat to the power and the purpose of God's actions. He knew that the goal of God's rescue and deliverance of those Israelites out of slavery was so that they would be free to have a relationship with God. Free. And Israel openly and willingly went into this as an exclusive relationship between them and Yahweh. So I expected Aaron to say, who do you think you are making this obnoxious request? Take a hike. But instead, Aaron asks for their gold jewelry. He softens it in the fire, and he sculpts a golden calf for them to worship. He then builds an altar, and the next morning they worship the golden calf, and they throw this wild party. You know, God must have been just shaking his head and thinking, if only I had stopped after creating dogs. People are fickle. Dogs are loyal. So forgive me for having one more story about running with my dumb dog. I know that I have to get out more, that I have to get a life, but you have to remember for a good number of years, I only had time for family, studying, working, and some running with my dog. So I wrote this reflection about five years ago, and it seemed to fit with today's message. Dear Diary, Malachi taught me about pursuing God this morning on our run. So imagine that for, Mal for, Mallory, for, for Malachi, squirrels represent God. As we run along, having a lovely time, enjoying the birds singing, the beautiful flowers, the freshly mown grass, Malachi is always looking for God. Read squirrels. He sees the twitch of a tail ahead, and his ears perk up. He is suddenly trotting with every fiber of his being on high alert. Malachi often hits an all-out sprint for the darned varmint. And then he is relentless. He sniffs around the tree where the squirrel has just sought refuge. Malachi can't climb trees, but he can stand on his back legs, reaching up as far as he can. And then he sits at the base of the tree, waiting for the squirrel to come back down. I believe he would sit there all day, except one of us had to go to work. And as I thought about this, I was like, what if we were so diligent in pursuing God with every fiber of our being? What if we looked for signs of God along our path? Malachi has distractions, interruptions, like rabbits and occasionally a gecko but he never loses sight of his main focus. He is wired for squirrels. We are wired for God. The problem for us, I think, is that somewhere in our brokenness, our wires got crossed. We have a deep longing, an emptiness that needs to be filled. But like the Israelites, we aren't very patient and we aren't very loyal. So we try to fill a God-sized hole with human creations. You see, idols lure us with powerful illusions and misplaced hopes. They make seductive promises. These false gods come in all sizes and shapes. We can idolize almost anything. Careers, health, achievements, power, 
wealth, age, and even nation. Our personal gods are so puny and pathetic that they would be laughable if they weren't so insidious and corrosive. So we worship and dance with our golden calves until by the grace of God we are interrupted. I pray we get interrupted before it's too late. We all know people who sacrifice their families, their health, and sometimes a bit of their integrity to advance their career. But at the end of the day, the career does not hold on to their hand or comfort or sustain them through the lonely nights. We idolize young, healthy bodies as we demean and ignore our elders until one day we look in the mirror and we realize that we have not escaped the signs of growing old, trapped in the prison of a decaying of a decaying body. Rather than sharing generously, we build bigger barns to hoard more wealth, only to die in our sleep. An interruption, though seldom welcome at the time, could be an opportunity for healing and transformation. Sharon Garlow Brown writes in her book, Sensible Shoes, the spiritual life is all about being awake and attentive to God. It's about paying attention. God speaks through the things that excite and energize us, as well as the things that depress and deplete us. The Spirit speaks through both. So an interruption could be that gentle tap on the shoulder to invite us on the dance floor with our Creator God who wants an exclusive relationship with us. God's continuing work in creation has been shown over and over again to be life-giving, life-preserving, and life-blessing. Having God as our dance partner does not mean that our life is perfect or without trials, but it does mean that the air we breathe in will always be filled with hope, peace, and love which means that the air that we breathe out into the world is full of hope, peace, and love. This reminds me of a young man named Elias who I met in Honduras on the mission trip. His life was interrupted by AIDS and death. Both of his parents died from AIDS. His elderly grandma was caring for Elias and his brother and his sister, when Lorena heard about this very old, very poor grandma who was trying to raise three teenagers, she talked to Max Perry about using some money from the Good Samaritan Fund to help with food and school supplies. When Elias was a junior in high school, his life was interrupted again, right when his grandmother died. Elias could have taken the easy route of running away from his responsibilities or bowing to the idol of drugs and alcohol as a way of numbing the stress and the loss and the sorrow. But this young man has a deep faith in God. The air he breathes is hope, peace, and love. He trusted God, and he was not afraid to do his part to keep his family together. Elias planned to drop out of school so he could support his brother and his sister so that they wouldn't be separated and put into a system of poor orphanages or even worse, end up on the streets. Knowing how their future relied on education, 
Lorena made sure that these kids were supported financially and that they were encouraged to stay in school. As Elias was preparing to graduate, he went to Lorena and wondered if there would be enough funding to send him to nursing school. You see, Elias had felt so blessed by Lorena, Max, and all of the people who contribute to the Good Samaritan Fund that he wanted to have a career where he would be able to help other people so they could also have a better life. Everyone prayed hard when he went in for the blood test to see if he had contracted AIDS from his parents. Because if it was in his bloodstream, he could not be a nurse and his future would be even more insecure. Thanks be to God that all three siblings are healthy and have not contracted the disease. I met this young family in February all together in their small house. Elias is a nurse, and both his sister and his brother went to trade school. His sister is a carpenter, and his brother is an iron worker. These horrible interruptions brought Elias and his siblings into a deeper relationship with our God, who breathes into us that spirit of hope, of peace, of joy. So what about our impatient, idol-worshiping, extreme-partying Israelites? Their little fiesta was interrupted by an enraged Moses. He was so mad, he smashed the Ten Commandments, the signed original, not a good interruption for the dancing Israelites, and there were harsh consequences for many of the offenders. But something very good came of this. Moses interceded to God on behalf of the sinners, asking for their forgiveness and their restoration. Now, God pondered this request for quite a while, and then in chapter 34, the narrator revealed a new dimension of God's character merciful. Verse 6 says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. The Israelites now have a deeper relationship with the God of the universe who will forgive and allow them to begin again. And isn't this what the season of Lent is, what we're called to lean into? We are desperate for this kind of relationship because no matter how good we try to be, we still turn to idols. We hurt ourselves. We hurt others. So rather than getting caught in this destructive pattern, God interrupts us with grace and mercy. <clears throat> I think, oh, I just started that. I think Denise Levertov captures this in her short poem called The Avowal. As swimmers dare to lie face to the sky and water bears them up, as hawks rest upon air and air sustains them, so would I learn to attain free fall and float into Creator's spirit's deep embrace, knowing no effort earns that all-surrounding grace. 
The Son of God taps us on the shoulder and invites us to change our dancing partner. Jesus invites us to let go of our idols and to dance with him because it's here where we free fall and float into the creator spirit's deep embrace as we breathe in hope, peace, love, and joy. Jesus interrupts us with a tap on the shoulder and whispers, could I have this dance for the rest of your life? 